all bad things. Tragedy. Tragedies, disasters. That's bad things. Trigger warning for everything possible. What? I'm Rachel. And I'm David. And this is All Bad Things. That was another just quick one. It was a quick one. We're both we're both ever so slightly under the weather today, aren't we? Uh, I mean, not necessarily under the I just had a headache all day. I yeah. don't know why. And I've been dizzy all day, so it's a little... That's probably worse. Eh, I don't know. <laughs> Headaches are not fun. No. Headaches are not fun, so... Yeah. It's probably from being around loud machines and shit all the time. Yeah. For this past time, three days straight. Yeah. Mm-hmm. For Plus it's 12 hours. hot. It is getting really hot here in North Carolina. Yeah. Yes. But enough about our problems. <laughs> <laughs> let's talk about people with worse problems. Let's, let's talk about a nuclear disaster, or yeah. a meltdown, rather. Yes. So, um, hopefully everybody listened last week. There was a lot of prologue. To this. Well, it was the setup. Yes, the which setup. Is, which is very important. This, yes. this just didn't come out of nowhere. Yes. And there was, I know, a lot of technical information about nuclear fission. <laughs> what? <laughs> I was, that I was attempting. Um, and it was funny because someone commented on, on uh, Twitter, and I apologize for not remembering who. I'll, I'll shout you out um, in, in our next episode. but um, She'll shout you out when she's less dizzy. Yes. <laughs> Um, who was like tweeted a funny gif? I forget what exactly it was of, but um, it was a comment somewhere along the lines of like me and my liberal arts education trying to. <laughs> oh, I saw that. Yeah. Yes, I did <laughs> trying, see that. Trying to understand, you know, the science stuff. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> being described by all bad things. Uh, trust us, we're we're right there with you. Absolutely, and we were the ones describing it. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, um, but yeah, we set up. You know Chernobyl as a town. That's what that's what I um, was you know tweeting and and writing as I was putting out today's episode on uh, on all the social meets at All Bad Things Pod. By the way, um, follow us and rate, review, prescribe, and all that. Um, was uh, I, I was putting? We talk about nuclear fission and Ukrainian geography. Yeah. <laughs> To yeah. interesting, su- not one, interesting one thing that really only Ukrainians and Russians know about, haha, the geography of Ukraine, and uh, the other thing like ten people in the world know about. Well, ten people in the world really understand, probably. Yeah, you know, uh, certainly at this time in 1986, and yeah, maybe there, maybe, there was maybe fewer, maybe yeah. fifteen people understood, <laughs> maybe, and then they all died of radiation poison, and now they're all gone. So now it's only ten. <laughs> yeah, well, well, <laughs> I have no idea. I'm yeah. sure there are plenty of people that understand it, but I, I, I never will. Yeah, no, me it's, neither. And I was the one yeah. describing it. Yeah. <laughs> I was the one explaining it. But I do think it's important, like more and more I've been adding, I feel like I've been adding more background information to our stories in recent months because I feel like, you know, things don't happen in a vacuum and it's important to understand context, you know? Sure. Uh, so, so that's, that's kind of why. Unless you're Dave Rubin. <laughs> oh, that's right. Yeah, I was tra- it took me a second. Yes, you tweeted that. Yes. So part one was danger. Part two mm-hmm. is meltdown. So 
This Today. Is, uh, this is the event. Yes, this, and this is going to be the event only. Just to give everybody a heads up, we're going to stop this episode at the end of the actual meltdown. And then continue with our... Uh, oh, yes. Our, uh, what, what did that episode one? three is fallout. No, no, no. I was going to say after we get done with the actual tragedy, when we keep talking, what is it, the banter? Oh, the, the inane banter. Inane, yes. inane banter. <laughs> well, I think we've been doing a good yes. amount of that. We started with the inane banter. <laughs> yes, we did. Okay. So to get that out of the way for you kind folks <laughs> yes. listening. Yes. So onward to tragedy. <laughs> Yes. Let's talk <laughs> nuclear meltdown. Yes. All right. So I'm. we're going to dive right into this. I'm assuming that you listened or know the background or whatever. So I'm not going to be going over any of the other stuff. most people have at least heard of this. Sure. But what I'm saying yeah. is I'm assuming you have at least that base of when sure. I was talking about the nuclear fission because this is going to build on that. So, And I don't want to be too redundant, especially because I don't really know enough to be redundant. It. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So... At the time of the... There's there's water involved. That's about all we understand. <laughs> At the time of the Chernobyl meltdown, the Chernobyl nuclear power plant had four nuclear reactors. Okay? That's a lot. Yep. And they yeah. were... Well, this was going to be the biggest in the oh, USSR, that's, that's remember? That's, it was going to be like the, the power plant of the future for the USSR. I believe the one in Oswego near where I grew up, I think it only has one. Well, ours only the oh, Sharon, that's right. Sharon that's Harris right. I keep only about has that. one. It only has mm-hmm. one as well. That's right. Yeah, usually only see like one when um my family lived in southern Indiana for a while when I was growing up and there was I'm pretty sure there was a power plant there and also an unusually high incident of cancer in that area. (laughs) I don't know if that was unrelated or not. I mean, it's also southern Indiana, so it could have just been, like, poor health issues. But I'm not trying to slag off everybody in southern Indiana, but maybe I should just move on. So anyway. We love you, Michael Jackson. He was from Gary. He was from northern Indiana. He was from across from... Okay, well... Yeah. No, Gary's like almost a sister city to Chicago. It's like right across... Oh, I didn't know that. ...the state line, kind of. Yeah. But much more industrial, way less urban... Mm. At least, correct me if I'm wrong, anybody from Gary or Chicago. Um, So they had four reactors, and they were called Reactor 1, Reactor 2, Reactor 3, and Reactor 4. Um, And they were built, so Reactor 1 was built in 1977, Reactor 2 was built in 78, Reactor 3 was built in 81, and Reactor 4 was built in 83, three years before the meltdown. Um, Because, as we mentioned last Last week, this is April, let me see, I mentioned it later on, I think it's April 25th, uh, no, April 26th, 1986 is the date of the actual meltdown, so. Um, so it was, a, it was a fresh nine-year-old lad. Yeah, yes, you were. I was one and I was four say, months. You, you were barely born. <laughs> yes, I was pretty little. <laughs> Um, so last week I also spoke briefly about how nuclear fission actually transforms into usable energy. Do you remember that? <laughs> That's basically like a steam engine that turns turbines. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, yes. Um, so I have not listened to that last episode, so. Yeah, right. It yeah. just came out today, yeah. like we're recording this on Monday, so yeah. Um, so the nuclear fission heats up water, which drives turbines, which generates electricity. So, yeah, it's like a giant steam engine. Um, Because there's such a massive amount of energy and heat being given off by these nuclear chain reactions, it's really important that this huge nuclear steam engine doesn't get overheated. Right, it has to be cooled. Yes. 
So it Constantly. needs a exactly. It needs a very effective cooling that, system. That's about the only part I did understand. Okay. Well, well, I <laughs> yeah. mean, that's that's good. That's the gist of it, right? And that's exactly what this is going to. Somewhat logical, but still. Yeah. Yeah. Um. So so yes, it, it was required to have a great cooling system. In the case of Reactor Four and other reactors like it, because the meltdown occurred in Reactor Four. Spoiler alert. <laughs> um. So the newest reactor. So the most the recent one, yeah, one that yeah. was built. Okay. Yeah. Not kind of not surprising, but well, anyway. So in the case of Reactor Four and other reactors like it, it is cooled with cooler water. Mm-hmm. So that the coolant. If I speak about the coolant moving forward, it's water mm-hmm. is what's cooling. Cool water. Okay. Now, as with any dangerous machine, there is kind of like a kill switch on sure. a nuclear reactor, right? Like sure. the failsafe, and it's known as the scram. S-C-R-A-M. The, the legend goes that SCRAM is an acronym for either Safety Control Rod Axe Man or Safety Control Rod's Activation Mechanism. But apparently these are called backronyms, meaning like somebody came up with them after oh, it was okay. actually created. Okay. And that the real story is that it was just named after the slang scram, as in run the fuck away if <laughs> this shit starts to go wrong. Not that that's going to do a whole lot of good, but it's better than staying in one spot. Yes, at least. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, even I mean, I would I would hope that these types of machines have kill switches because where I work, our machines have them too. Yeah, well, and we're not. I'm not working with nuclear fucking right. energy. Like I said, with with most most big and dangerous machinery, there is like yes, a kill our switch. our pulverizer definitely has one. And yeah, it's a pretty pretty giant machine. Yeah, so so it's called a scram system. That's what the sort of kill switch is. So the scram system, this kill switch mechanism works by very quickly, like within two to four seconds. So very very quickly. Inserting, here's where we're going to start getting a little technical, okay? So, inserting control rods into the core of the nuclear reactor. Now. Oh, I, oh, I, I, I do know what you're talking about. Okay. I, I have seen a documentary on this. Okay, so do you know what, I, well, I, can you. I have a mental picture of, of what okay. it looks like. But. Well, good, because I don't have, I didn't, I didn't get a brilliant visual on this, but I definitely understand the concept. I saw like diagrams or mm-hmm. whatever. But so first of all, we're not like when you think of a rod, sometimes you can think of like a curtain rod or something like, but we're not, we're talking enormous pieces of metal. Um, Because for, for some scale, nuclear reactor four was about seven meters tall, which is roughly 22 feet. So we're talking a large structure. So the control rods obviously aren't tiny. Because they have to go down in 22 feet into a reactor. So they're, they're, these are large things. Um, so everything is on this, this larger scale. So anyway, control rods, as their name would suggest, control the nuclear reaction. Specifically because they contain a neutron-absorbing material. Do you remember the role of neutrons in nuclear fission? I know that word, and I just I don't remember <laughs> what the fuck it means. Do you remember what I want? It's kind of like pew, pew, the pew. center of something? It's part of the atom. Okay. But it's the part, the neutrons are shot at the uranium, which makes them split. 
makes the yes. atoms split. Okay. So if you control the neutrons, like if you take the neutrons out of the equation, it slows down the nuclear reaction because you need the neutrons for the nuclear reaction. So it basically takes away the critical element that okay. creates the, the chain reaction. And so anything that is neutron absorbing slows fission, like powers death. Okay. The reactor. That's kind of the, the long and short of it. So. We won't be Googling this. <laughs> no, we won't be Googling <laughs> anything else ever. All right. So the control rods aren't just part of the scram procedure. It's not just like, okay, if shit goes wrong, the kill switches these control rods, and that's their only purpose. They're used. I was going to say, they're, yeah, yeah they're, probably they're, have, they're probably multifunctional. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. They, they, they're just part of kind of the normal yeah. procedure. They're, they're not going to be there just in case at one point in history you have to push this button. Although it would be worth it. <laughs> it would be, yes. But um, but the, it's also used just to, to for shutdown procedures. If you have to shut down the reactor, you have to slow down the reaction, and these rods are used in that. So not not quite so suddenly as the kill switch as the scram procedures would require. But um, so in the case of reactor four, there were to give you a, a, again just sort of a reference point for scale. There were two hundred eleven control rods total. So it's a lot of them. Sure. And you could put them in gradually if you were just doing shutdown procedures, or if it was a scram, you could just shove them all down in there, basically, to sort of <laughs> something like that. Just anyway. shove them all down in there. <laughs> yes. So there's a bunch of these giant rods to keep nu- the nuclear reaction in control. I believe that's also called toxic masculinity. <laughs> Which I still don't know what the fuck that means, but... You don't understand toxic max- no, masculinity? No, we won't okay. get into that. No, let's no. not. <laughs> let's not get into that. <laughs> no. Okay. Now, when a nuclear reactor is just going, like, in a steady state of providing power, right? Just kind of along in its normal use and not... It, it's not like, you know, you're shutting down your computer at the end of the day. Obviously, this is a 24-hour operation. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, this. I mean, just about any plant that generates anything is, is a 24-hour operation. Oftentimes, yeah. yes, yes. Certainly uh-huh. where our work is, mm-hmm. you know, so. Yeah. Um, so when a reactor is just kind of moving along all the time, running 24-7, about 6% of its power is derived from what is called decay heat. So not the fission itself, which sure. is the main driver, 94% of the power, but kind of what's left over? Exactly, that's like kinda, accumulated okay. energy. Yeah. Okay. Yes, you're right. It, it provides up to like 6% of the power. So it's it's not like if you stop the chain reactions, that doesn't mean you stop all the power. Sure. If that okay. makes sense. Yes. You know, there's, there's yes, that there are still... Yes. Because, because this thing is going 24 hours yep. a day every day, there is still going to be some Residue sort of... Residue energy. There is still yeah. going to be an energy that's yes. being... Emitted, omitted, whatever, created, created, or, or, created. or continued, yeah. maybe, because it's, yeah, exactly. Um, so, yes, the decay heat hangs around for a while even after the fission itself stops. And for that reason, even when the chain reactions, reactions in the nuclear reactor are stopped, it can be necessary to have a more proactive cooling system that can cool... Um, cool down the reactor faster to avoid damaging the core of the reactor. Okay. So, like, you that can't just sense. let this r- the residual energy 
like stay. There has the, to be a backup plan for that too. Yeah, you have to yeah. you have to more aggressively slow that down more yeah. than just the, what the control rods can do, basically. But that part of it seems like a little more controllable, controllable right? Because it's like residual and not right. the main cause, right. right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now this cooling and it's system, just kind of like okay, we've we've got the main part shut down. Now let's work. Now let's the, work on this. Yeah, like, kind of. The main the main terror is kind of over with. This part we can deal with. Yeah, kind of. Yeah. yeah, but but the coolant system for it um, is pretty hardcore. Reactor four specifically had about sixteen hundred individual fuel channels that required coolant, so the water, um, with a flow of about seventy four hundred gallons per hour. Jesus. So it was a shit ton of water because they needed to control it quickly and sure. have a lot of options, right? And if, say, a couple of the fuel lines got jammed or blocked or damaged or That's something, true. you had yeah. to have lots of backups. Yeah. So they did. So they definitely, definitely did. Wow. I can't. Wow. This is. I know. It's <laughs> it's a complicated machine. Imagine trying to fucking build this I know, thing. Right? Like, I don't. I don't even understand like that. Like how you come up with the idea. We even went into the history of it, but yeah, we still have no idea. <laughs> like we wouldn't have come up with it. So, um, the coolant system was controlled by pumps, right? You have to force the water through the fuel lines, through the coolant lines. Sure. So, there were pumps, water pumps that did that. And because this is very serious shit, we're talking about nuclear energy, and there has to be, like, backup systems and backup to the backup systems and everything, there were three backup diesel generators in case of an electrical failure so that sure. if the pumps couldn't work, yeah, you, you had these makes generators sense. that would fire up. So, well, I mean, it's, sense, it yeah. sounds like they had, um, it sounds like they had all the necessary fail safes. Are you trying to figure I'm out I'm trying like, to figure out how this goes wrong. Yes. Well, we're about to get into that. It so, must have, I'm guessing it has to have been human error in some form or fashion. Well, well obviously, but... Right, right. Yeah. Well, well, let's get to it here. So the thing about these uh, these generators, these diesel generators, it t- so they could they could start if the if the power failed and the the pumps, the electric pumps that pumped the coolant to slow down the reactor weren't working. These generators could start up within 15 seconds of that outage, but it took about a minute for them to fully power up. Sure. So yeah. there was a little bit. It's not, it's not instantaneous. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Which, which, like you wouldn't ex- you wouldn't expect it to be because of the sheer amount of power they had to generate. Yeah. yeah absolutely. So because of this one minute gap. You know, between the time that the pumps shut off in case of a power failure and the diesel engines were going full speed, there was about a minute where this backup system needed a backup system to bridge that one minute gap. Okay. Um, And there was, but it was unfortunately a theoretical backup. Unfortunately for Chernobyl, there... This backup system was still in the testing phase. Oh. They had this they had this whole thing up and running with no real solution to this one minute gap. Now it had never become an issue because it just they had, never They had never done what I believe is called real world testing on. Mhm. Well, 
Well, they had prior oh, to this. Okay. The problem is none of the tests worked. Oh, so they had the real world. Real world. That's why, why those real two words <laughs> two words together are so hard to say. <laughs> this is the real world. <laughs> Los Angeles. <laughs> yes. Um, okay, so they did actually have these real world tests. <laughs> Very good. Yes. And they failed. Yes, they hadn't okay. quite figured out the right way to go. So. First of all, the theory um, was, but the theory of what they were trying to test, this backup system, was that the one minute gap between the time of the power failure, theoretical power failure, where the water pumps would stop, and then when the um, diesel engines would be up to full speed, um, it was possible that the energy, not the residual energy that we were talking about before, but the in a sense, residual energy, but not of an atomic nature, from the spinning turbines themselves could be enough to bridge that gap. So say, you know... I, the, I, I, I see, yeah, I see what they mean. Yes. The turbines I, again, have been going so much for so long that there might be enough energy... Again, it's a theory. Yes. They haven't... Yes. Yeah. They haven't successfully tested it. Right. The theory was I, that I these can... turbines could spin enough to provide enough power sure. for that coolant to get through until the engine... Yeah, I see where they're going with it. Mm-hmm. It's, it's just a matter of if it works or not. It actually makes a lot of sense. It doesn't sound like a terrible idea. And it was honestly the like the first thing that came to my mind. Like, you're generating electricity, so can't you just use some of it? Which is what they were... Like, basically, they were doing. Just use some of the... Electricity that was being generated. Let's use some of the stuff that we're making. Exactly. Well, I guess that should be our first clue about how this is going to go down, because Uh, if it was the first thing I thought of, (laughs) it's probably not going to (laughs) work. Anyway. I didn't mean, oh, as in, like, you're an idiot. I just meant, like, I just meant, like, like, yeah, now I can kind of see, yeah, if that's something that I could think of, then... Right? (laughs) (laughs) Then these people are fucked. (laughs) Anyway. And and we know historically that, yes, they are fucked. (laughs) So in by 86, this, this gap, this one-minute gap of one of the backup systems was still out there, still unresolved. It was a major concern. It was taken seriously. They did tests in 82, 84, and 85, trying to tweak the system each time, you know, to, to, to get it to work, but it, it hadn't worked. So they had they were, they were kind of on to the next. Okay, well now what do we do to tweak this? We still haven't given up on this basic premise, but maybe we're just doing something wrong with the execution of it. So the plan was to try this again in '86, specifically April of '86, um, as they were shutting down Reactor Four for maintenance. So they're like, look, we're we're going to need to use this like theoretical. Um, loss of power to do this test, so let's just do it when we're about to shut it down anyway. Okay. For well, I mean, that, 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 makes that sense, also right? makes sense, yes. Because I also imagine there's an awful lot of cost involved in starting and stopping a nuclear oh, reactor, I'm, you I'm know? I'm sure. I'm sure. So, um, so, so that's that was their plan. Now, a test like this obviously a major safety test or backup system test, whatever you want to call it, should have, according to procedure, been coordinated with either the chief designer of the actual reactor itself or the scientific manager of the plant to ensure safety. 
Okay, I I kind of remember this. Okay, okay. Yes. This, um, this is this is where things start to fuck up. But no negative safety outcomes were anticipated. Which yikes! Because this is nuclear power. You should always be anticipating. Yes, that um, should always be the first thing yes. that you're thinking of. So, and honestly, everyone was really, this was a big concern. You know, there was a, this gap in their backup system, so they really wanted to get it resolved because um, it was a legit safety concern. So in the end, they did not consult the designer. They did not consult the manager like they were supposed yeah, to. Who would want to do that? They just ran it by and got it signed off oh, by the director of the plant. So that was issue number one. Okay. That's also that's also a bit of a uh, a callback to our Texas City oil refinery explosion. Like they didn't follow the necessary safety procedures. Safety procedures, and yep. they're like, oh, I'll just sign it off. Big deal. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And next thing you know, there's a fucking explosion. Yep. Except with this, there's going to be more than an explosion. In fact, the explosion's not going to be the biggest part. No. It's the fallout. Yes. Yeah. So. On April... Great video game series. Yes, I was going to say there's going to be a lot of callbacks to Fallout, especially as 76 is coming Coming out this year. November, right? Uh, Yes. So when November comes around, I will be uh, missing. Yes, basically. (laughs) (laughs) You'll be in your bunker. Yes, I will. I'll be in my Fallout 76 bunker. I might have one constructed by then. (laughs) So on April 25th, 1986... Technicians at Chernobyl began the planned procedure to run the test on nuclear reactor four. So this was um, I'm gonna I'm gonna sort of lay out their procedure. Sure. Like the broad strokes of what they were gonna do. So first, it was really critical that the reactor be running at a pretty low power from the word go, which was between 700 megawatts and 800 megawatts, which really reminds me of Back to the Future for some reason. Did he did he talk about megawatts that or was a gigawatt? That was actually a gigawatt. A gigawatt. Which I, I don't think is something that actually exists. <laughs> just I some could Doc be, Brown's I head. could be wrong about that, but I think that that was just like a... I think Neil deGrasse Tyson has talked about oh, that, Oh, okay. All right, so that was the first thing. They had to, they had to power down... The, and, and hence the reason they were going to do it during a um, routine power down anyway, because the, the power had to be lower than, um, than it's, I believe it's working um, wattage was like 3000 megawatts. So they needed it cut significantly from that between seven and 800. Um, so the second thing was that the steam turbine generator was supposed to be run up to its full speed. So they wanted the, to see if this turbine was going to make enough residual energy, um, just not of the atomic type. So they needed it, like, full blast before that to make sure, like, to give it its best chance, basically, to provide that that energy. Um and so that makes sense. Then the steam supply for the generator was to be shut off, so they were going to start... Um, simulating the actual power outage to see what happened at that point. And then they would record what the turbine generator was, like what energy it could actually put out to see if it was enough to bridge that that one-minute gap, Um, at which point the the generators could take over. And then finally, once the emergency generators actually did take over, they would just let the turbine slow down, stop on its own, and then go through the procedures for just shutting down the reactor for the maintenance. Okay? okay. So that was the basic so, procedure. Yeah. Makes sense, right? 
Just another day at the office of a <laughs> yeah. nuclear power plant. <laughs> so at 1.06 a.m. on April 25th, 1986, they began step one, slowing down the reactor. And now this isn't just something you slam the brakes on. It took a while it's a, it's a to gradual. shut it down, yes. Yeah. So by the time the day shift got to work, the power level had dropped to about 50%. So like half okay. of its energy had, had run down. Um and that seems like a good idea when you're talking about nuclear chain reactions. So, yeah. Then, that morning, a totally separate regional power plant uh, unexpectedly lost power, went offline, and couldn't provide power to the power grid. So the controller of the Kiev electrical grid asked Chernobyl to power that reactor right back up because they needed them to cover for... The, the downed um, plants. I already see where this is going. Yeah. So the Chernobyl... So, so does our audience, I'm sure. <laughs> yes. So the Chernobyl director was like, cool, whatever. Postpone the test. Which, okay. This seems good enough, right? Um, but they didn't... They didn't stop the test, per se. They, they postponed it. Um, and not all steps of the test system were stopped. So one of the ancillary steps, like one of the steps involved that like I didn't necessarily cover in like the bigger things, was to um, disable the ECCS or the emergency core cooling system, which was a backup system to pump cool water to the reactor's core if if there was ever a loss of coolant. Because they didn't want they didn't want this system during the test they didn't want the system to kick in because that's because, not what they were testing and and that's also kind of the purpose of the test yes is yeah. to yeah. see what can what would happen if we didn't have yes. the system online exactly so it was an automatic system that they purposefully disabled oh my god which was part of the test procedures but the test was getting postponed here, so. it, com- here it comes Thank, <laughs> thanks Kiev <laughs> well it wasn't their fault that they lost power yes but. it was. <laughs> So a key backup safety system was disabled for the test, despite the fact that the test was being postponed. So I guess they figured they could do without it since it would save time for them Like once they actually started the test back up. I don't know. It's a lot of guesswork. <laughs> like, or there is a lot of guesswork, I guess. Um, but but there's, there's a lot of um, unknowns and variables um, of what exactly happened and the motives as to why, because a lot of stuff had to be pieced together after the fact. So, like, in looking at this, if yeah. someone was like, well, why did they do that? There's really no one to ask. I was going to say they're all dead. Well. Mm. So by 11.04 p.m. that night, the evening hours had passed, so peak electricity demand, right, when people are coming home, um, turning oh, okay. the lights yeah, back on, sure. taking showers, whatever, whatever. Um, and, and Kiev is just fucking off. Like, oh, we, <laughs> we don't have our power plant. Nothing's working. So, um, so it was 11.04 p.m. Uh, the Kiev grid controller was like, okay, Chernobyl, you can, we don't need you anymore. We got it under control. We don't need your extra reactor. So you can keep going with your test if you want. So, okay. But because it was night by now, Everyone who was on the day shift had left, right? Because, like, the 9 to 5 shift. 
Um, and even the evening shift, the second shift, you know, mm-hmm. the br- bridging the e- the day and night shift, was winding down and getting ready to leave at midnight. I was going to say bridging the, the day and the midnight yes. shift. Yes, yeah. yes. And the third shift, the last shift, was going to start at midnight. Yeah. So the night shift crew... Because of the way the test was supposed to have gone, it should have been finished in the daytime. So the night crew wasn't coming in thinking, oh, we're going to be carrying oh, that on the, this test. Oh, that the test is still going on. Yes. Yeah. It was supposed to be done. In fact, the reactor is supposed to be powered down, and pro- they were probably figuring they'd be doing maintenance Because given, give given, giving them the benefit of, of the doubt, mm-hmm. probably all staff knew that this test was going to take place. Right. And it's like, or it's going to be a transition between our day team and our four o'clock team. Right. Mm-hmm. And by the time the midnight people yeah. get here, like it'll they have happened. They started it, right? The night yeah. crew actually oh, that's, that's started true. the they power did. down. Yes. But that was really their only responsibility. Yeah, they're not. They're not thinking twenty four hours later. It'd be still going on. Yeah. yeah. No, not at all. So it, it was all kind of out of whack at this point. Um, so it's it's basically a breakdown of command. Oh, a lot. Obviously, of so many things. Yeah, let's um, keep going. Oh God. So. Uh, so yeah, they, they got it sprung on them that not only was the test not over, but they were the ones who were going to do it. Cause now they could which start is, which, it, right? Uh, so yeah. now not it only sounds, that, it just sounds like there's all sorts of misinformation. Oh, yes. oh it's going to get so bad. Just let's, let's keep going. So, um, in the hour between the evening to night switch over, so like 11 to midnight, they quickly slowed down the reactor back to that 50% of power threshold so much faster than they had the first time, right? Because they did it over the course of almost a whole shift. Sure. They powered it down to 50%. They took just an hour to power it down to 50%. This time, because they're like, okay, come on, let's, let's, let's get back into this. Doesn't sound good. Just after midnight on April 26th, the reactor was down to that 700 megawatt threshold needed to start the test. And at that point... It was just the night watchman, literally, you know, sort of, as it were, on staff. So, the nuclear reactor produced, this is more science, sorry, produced a byproduct from the nuclear fission known as xenon-135. Xenon-135 does basically what the control rods do, slows the reaction, okay? So basically, I'm, I'm trying to explain what can speed up a nuclear reaction, what can slow it down, because this is going to be the issue. <laughs> Just as long as it didn't involve Xenu. <laughs> What's Xenu? Xenu <laughs> is the, uh, the god or the, the Scientology god. Oh, okay, yeah. <laughs> I'm not sure if he's considered a god or not. but uh, or Like a, uh, oh, the, the alien or whatever, or yeah. god knows what, yeah. Yeah. Zenu knows what. <laughs> <laughs> so we have Zenu produces xenon. Okay, I'm, I'm okay. Ki- I'm kidding. <laughs> so um, unlike the control rods, this the xenon-135 isn't controllable. Like, it's just a natural byproduct of the fission. It's something that just happens. Yes, yeah. Um, uh, and what, But because it's um, neutron-absorbing... It, it can't, when it causes, if it gets out of control and causes an uncontrolled slowing of the nuclear reaction, um, it's known as reactor poisoning. And again, this is where the neutrons come back into play. Yes, yes, uh-huh. Um, and it's also called an iodine pit or a xenon pit. 
Um, but reactor poisoning is named because it's a buildup of neutron. Exactly like you said, it comes back into play. Neutron absorbing material, which um, sort of poisons the reactor, makes it slow down, makes it sick, makes it stop working the way it's supposed to. Now, it's not like Xenon-135 was a new thing that they didn't know about at this point. So, so I'm not introducing it at this point to say, to say that's, like... I was going to say, that's probably something that they... Oh, absolutely. They, they, they certainly knew. Through, they certainly knew about this. Um, so it wasn't news to anyone, but here's the thing. When a reactor is in a steady state, you know, running 24-7, um, except for maybe a maintenance shutdown like they were planning... Um, it kind of burns off the xenon-135 in another kind of chemical reaction. So it doesn't, it's not like the reaction is constantly being slowed by this xenon. It's, um, it, the xenon is being created as a byproduct, but then it's also getting, like, the chain reaction itself is causing it to be gotten rid of. So it creates it's, the byproduct and it can get rid of the And then byproduct. it's kind of it's kind of flushed away yeah, through yeah. the okay. Yeah, through the natural reactions, another chemical reaction that takes place. But I was going to say there is a butt coming. Yes. Here it comes. <laughs> when the power is lowered, so not in its constant running state, um, like in this experiment, which they just lowered, right? The the speed down to seven hundred megawatts. Um it can't burn off the xenon-135 fast enough, so the xenon-135 starts to come back into play. So it's just hanging around. It, and slowing down the reactor further. So when the power was lower, it the this xenon built up and further lowered the power of reactor 4, which dropped from 700 megawatts to about 500 megawatts, which was... 200 megawatts below what they were supposed to have for the test. The 700 was where they wanted to be. Now they were at 500. At this point, Leonid Tuoptinov, eh, wasn't bad. Sure. Um, who was an operator at the plant. That Russian guy. <laughs> who was an operator at the plant who was in charge of the manual control of the control rods. So there was an automatic system too, um, but there was also a manual override. Uh he accidentally inserted the control rods too far into the reactor. So the control rods, remember, slow down the reactor. So when they go in too far, they slow it down too much. So it just further slowed down the reactor. And the reactor power dropped all the way down to 30 megawatts, which is like very close to just being powered down. I was going down. to say, and it did that very quickly. Uh, yeah, I, I, I didn't have the exact timeline of how fast that happened. Well, but we, we know where we've picked up with the night shifts. Yeah, this is and around where, the midnight right, phase. Right, and where uh-huh. the power was at, where they've come in. But I'm not sure what time it is at this point. Like but it, but, it's, but it's, it's still that midnight shift. Oh, yes, and it's actually still pretty yeah. c- close into it. Yeah, w- yeah. Whereas before, like the... The midnight shift that originally started at 24 hours before. It took till the morning to get it to, down. Yeah, just to, to get 50%. it down to, yeah. right. Mm-hmm. And now we're talking about. Oh, yeah. This is this is all happening much faster. That's that's a key point, too. So, obviously. So, so within this eight-hour span, it got really slowed down. <clears throat> within basically, like, I think it was something like. I, I, I get back into the timeline okay, in a little bit, sure. so we'll kind of get a little sure. bit closer to that. So anyway. <laughs> anyway, this is a, a bad thing. <laughs> yes. So obviously, it didn't go unnoticed that this thing had lost I so much ho- power. I would hope not. 
And the people in the control room who are working were like, shit, we can't run the test on 30 megawatts. We need at least 700, 700 to 800. So they chose to disable the automatic system that controlled the control rods altogether. So they were only going to be able to control the control rods through the manual system. So there's no more, no more the computers will come in and save us at the last minute. So at this point it's all being done off of a manual ju- system. Off of judgment. Yes, because it's manual. Mm-hmm. Exactly, exactly. Um and probably something that these people weren't necessarily No, they they knew they knew they were. They knew how this reactor worked. Sure. They knew what they were doing. It, it just appears that it may have been a poor choice, especially yeah. given what was about to happen. So not only did they turn off this automatic control system for the control rods, but they pulled out. Um, sorry, I lost my place. Do-do-do-do. Yes, okay. Um, they manually extracted most of the control rods out of the reactor as high as they could go. So, like, the hell out of the reactor. Like, they were like, no, they're not even touching. Um, a few minutes later, so this is just within the span of a few minutes now, the power output had climbed from 30 megawatts to about 160 megawatts. So within a few minutes, it, like, multiplied several times over. Um, now, it was still way too low for the 700 megawatts they needed, Um, And during this whole time, because of the low power output, the reactor's core was still accumulating xenon-135, which kept the reactor... So it was like the xenon was pulling back the power while they were trying to make it go faster by pulling out the control rods. It's a a push and pull. Yes. At the the moment, the xenon-135 is winning. Right. But to try and make up for this... They removed even more of those 211 uh, control rods to try and gain more power. So, yes, they're engaging in this very vicious circle of, like, it's slowing down, so they overreact to to speed it up, and then there's an opposite, equal and opposite reaction. You know, it's just this horrible, vicious cycle of powering up and powering down this it's, reactor. It's literally a chain reaction. Yes, and, and but that's swinging back and forth. Mm-hmm. And... Under what circumstances is volatility in a nuclear reactor a good thing? No. <laughs> None, absolutely. Volatility yeah. is never a good thing. Yeah, in general. But especially when you're when it's involving a nuclear reactor. Yes. So at this point, the reactor was like all out of sorts. It was getting pushed and pulled every sort of way. So there was a low power level, high poisoning level. Then the, the core temperature and the coolant flow started to fluctuate. Again, instability. So between 12.35 and 12.45 a.m. So this has all gone on within like the first half hour of the night shift. That's my, yeah. that's the time. Okay, okay. Um, a bunch of alarms started going off. Oh, I hope so. <laughs> um, but they were ignored by plant operators, likely because they were wanting to preserve the power level of the reactor because they were still trying to increase it back up to that 700 megawatt threshold. And the power levels did climb. It eventually reached up to 200 megawatts. And at that point, they were like, okay, we're, we're trending the right way. Let's keep preparing for the experiment. 
They were like, okay, we're, we're going to get back up to that 700 megawatts. Let's keep doing all the other steps. If I'm ever working at a nuclear power plant. <laughs> Please don't. Which, which I will not. <laughs> yeah. But if I ever am, and I don't care what alarm it is that goes off, I'm just going to run and, <laughs> and not stop. Like, well, no, but your like job ever. is to react to those alarms so that it's not going to kill everybody. I'm still going to run. You'll die. You'll be the first to die because okay. you're with. It. Okay, well, whatever. I'm just, I'm just running. <laughs> yeah, maybe you should just not work at a no. power plant, nuclear power. I'll, plant. I'll be like Forrest Gump and just run for three years. <laughs> and cross. You know, I'll wind up. I'll figure out a way to uh, cross the United States. However many times he did it. I've never seen Forrest Gump in its entirety. Really? Yeah, I've only seen clips. Okay. Of this 25-year-old movie now at this point. 93, it's I think it came out. 94. Oh, okay. It, I was well, going to say it's close. Um, yeah, it's at this point. It, it, it came ha- out when I was a little too young to it see it. It hasn't aged well. <laughs> oh, okay. In my, it, IMO. IMO. IMHO. <laughs> On the social means. All right. So, so just picture Forrest Gump working at Chernobyl at this moment, <laughs> if you're in the audience. <laughs> that was the one scene they cut. <laughs> So at 1.05 a.m., following the test plan, remember they were like, okay, we're, we're headed in the right direction. Let's keep going. They activated extra water pumps for coolant. Okay, well, that makes sense. Okay, well, unfortunately, the flood of coolant actually produced an increase in the coolant temperature in the core because of the rush. The, the energy heated the water that was in the core. Oh, I see. Or or the coolant that was in the core. Okay, so which not, a, was, not a good move. Well, it was now beginning to approach the boiling point. Oh, so no. Jesus. At 1.19 a.m., the coolant flow exceeded the limit it was supposed to be at, which set off another alarm. Now, water does something else important here within the nuclear reactor. It also absorbs neutrons. Much weaker than the other control oh, okay. systems, weaker than the xenon, weaker than the, the control rods, obviously, but um, it still did. So by turning on these extra water pumps, they inadvertently lowered the reactor power even more. So they're feeding into this, like, powering down, powering up, powering again, down, it's powering kind of, up. It's, it, exactly. It's part of that vicious yes. cycle. Yes. Reacting to the alarm, the operators turned off two of the water pumps, and yes, removed even more control rods to try to retain the power they already were trying to build in the reactor. The minimum number of control rods required for safety to maintain any control of the reactor. The critical mass number was 28 of the 211 control rods. They had to keep 28 in there. At this point, only 18 rods were left in the reactor. So they were essentially losing it's, the reins it's, it's on just, this reactor. It's just a mistake compounding on top of a mistake. Yes. On top of, it's just... Yes. Now... And every time they try to solve a problem, mm-hmm. it creates another one. Yes. Yes. Jesus. Now, at this point, the scram emergency system could still be activated manually, meaning all of the rods could be manually inserted because manual doesn't mean like somebody literally putting them in there by hand. Right. It's like a switch activated right. by hand yeah. as opposed to being automatic. So It's operated by a person. Yeah, exactly. It's not a person it has to be standing by there a person. and being yeah. like, oh, yeah, gonna, exactly. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it, it could be done by hitting what was called the AZ5 button. 
Um, But the automatic system had been bypassed. So the only way to initiate this kill switch, this last minute scram, was for somebody to do it by hand. Manually set it off. Does somebody do it? Let's find out. Okay. (laughs) And so, after all that buildup last week, all the explanation I just did, we finally reach April 26th, 1986, at 1.23 a.m. The timeline that I'll be giving here was system recorded, which is how we know the exact times, like down to the second everything happened. So at 1.23 and 4 seconds a.m., in spite of the horrific lack of any stability in this vicious circle, uh, where everything was being powered up and powered down, (coughs) excuse me, and powered down and powered up, they started the test. You're fucking kidding me. Yep. The steam that went to the turbines to drive them were shut off, which began to run down the turbine generator per the test procedures because they had to be measured to see how much output they were actually giving. The diesel generators activated and started warming up to do their job, right? That's what the whole thing Mm -hmm. was, to get them to do their job and bridge that gap until they were running full force. And as per the test procedure in theory, the power to the coolant pumps was supposed to be wound down, um, which, of course, produced less power for the pumps, which slowed down the coolant. Oh, sorry. What am I doing? I think I skipped a line. That didn't make sense. As per the test procedure and theory, the power to the coolant pumps was supposed to be supplied. Oh, there there we go. It was supposed to be survived, so supplied in other by words, the wind down of the turbine. So, in other words, you weren't following procedure <laughs> about... An event where nobody was following procedure. Except, <laughs> except, the, except, except who not, died not because kill, of it. It's not going to kill anybody. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> That's why I wasn't being careful enough because it didn't I matter. Think, I think you did that on purpose to <laughs> prove, to a, prove point. a point. Thank you for giving me that credit. So the the to bridge that one gap, they were supposed to. The theory was that the winding down turbine would have enough juice to do it, right? As so, we learned earlier. Yes. yes. So the turbine that was wound... The, that was the assumption. Yes. The, the theory. Yes. So as the turbine wound down, it, of course, produced less power for the pumps, which slowed down the coolant. So what did the coolant do? Did the coolant slow down or speed up the reaction? Do you remember? At this point, I mean, I know it's hard to so remember. Right? Shit. I think it, it did, water I think it slows did. it down. It absorbs. Well, the that's neutrons. that's its initial. No, it, purpose. It, it did. So, oh, okay. So cutting off the water would do what? Speed it up. Yeah. Oh, now, that's right. okay. Because I got confused because we were I talking know, about where the water lot, absorbed yeah. all these neutrons. Yeah. And, okay. Yeah. Okay. Now so, I'm and I'm not track. getting probably detailed enough to really help anybody understand, just because I don't get it either. But anyway. Um, the, the lack of coolant... If we, if we want to put it in a nice, pretty box, everything got all fucked up. <laughs> so, the... <laughs> Thank you. So, the, this slowing of the coolant also resulted in increased steam voids, which is basically a fancy way of saying, like, bubbles okay. within the reactor's core. Now, this started to create... It doesn't sound like they should be in there. Well, right... This started to create a positive feedback loop in the core of reactor four. The bubbles reduced the water, the coolant that was already in there, its ability to absorb neutrons, 
which therefore increased the power level, right? This increase in the reactor's power level made even more of the water bubble, which reduced the water's ability to absorb neutrons, which increased the reactor's power level, and so forth. Like, you get the idea. Now, the frontline automatic control rod system, which had not been disabled... So they did still have the, the like, the first... They, they disabled the backup systems, but there was, like, the frontline system that was Sure, still, they didn't shut down everything to do this test, just certain things. Right, certain, certain systems, certain right. automatic systems. So it did its job at this point, and it inserted control rods into the core because it could read that there was this positive feedback loop going that was starting to make the reactor wind up when it wasn't supposed to be. Unfortunately, this automatic system only had 12 little rods to work with of those 211 because the rest had been pulled out manually. Right. And the automatic system couldn't put back in what had been manually taken out. So the so the failsafe actually worked. It it wasn't a failsafe. It wasn't that was not the failsafe. That was the initial it was actually meant to be the frontline system, not the okay. failsafe. The failsafe would be like the backup of the backup of the backup. This sure. was like the very first frontline system. So no, it wasn't a failsafe system. It was the first frontline of security. Okay, but okay. A that, form that, of that, security did, right. did did do its job. Yes, the, that's the, correct. The first in the in a line of of many, but but because initially, they had, it, I mean, in reality, worked. But because of the manual override of taking out these rods, it couldn't it do its full job. It didn't have anything to go off of. It, it didn't other. have much to work with, yes. Yes, okay. Exactly. So at 1.23 and 40 seconds a.m., so 36 seconds after the test began, the scram was initiated. The kill switch was flipped, you know. Um, kill, uh, kill switch engaged. Yes. The theory... Again, a lot of this is built on theory and, like, rebuilds and models and computer-generated stuff because of the fallout, which we'll get into next week. But the theory is that someone pressed that AZ-5 button, the kill switch. This triggered the manual. Again, like, this was the person pressing that switch. You are, you were asking, right? Did anyone yes. press it? Yeah. They did. Yeah. Um, it triggered the manual reinsertion of control rods to the core. Problem is, this insertion didn't happen, like, in that two to four seconds like it was supposed to. Instead, it took a little time for these rods to get all the way down through the seven-meter core, which we're not arguing about, right? As a seven-meter core. <laughs> right. Yes. Well, we'll leave that be. It took it about 18 to 20 seconds, all told, so much longer than the two to four seconds. And there was also the complication of the fact that inserting these rods displaced water if they had been fully extracted before their reinsertion. So let me break that down a little bit because I know it's weird. But um, so if these rods came all the way out, like the, the water at the bottom of the core would sort of, because it had been displaced by the rods, like um, squished out the water would kind of come back up if the if the rods were taken all the way out. Does that make sense? It does. And I'm, like, making hand motions that clearly nobody it, can see video. Right. But I... And uh, 
All I can think of of a failed manual insertion would be uh, oh no, for a lot of people. (laughs) We're usually good at not having (laughs) jokes that your mother would not approve of, but. I didn't go to prom, by the way. Neither did you. No, I didn't. I, I would have gone with myself. <laughs> I was homeschooled. It probably would have been, oh, okay, we'll leave it at that. Oh, come on. <laughs> this is not going to become the Dirty Dirty Podcast. I'm sorry. I'm uh, I'm a couple of beers in. <laughs> How are you now? <laughs> this is a rough night for both of us. Oh, and this is such a good topic, and we're just not at our best, are we? Anyway. Well, I had to make a joke somewhere. <laughs> that, was, that was the most obvious place. So... Displacing the water, meaning if the rods, do not laugh, if the rods were reinserted, displacing this water actually temporarily increased power output. Um, Because water slows down the reaction, so if it's displaced, it can't absorb the neutrons, so there's less of an impedance to the power output. So basically, this just made things speed up. The control rods are supposed to slow everything down, but it inadvertently sped things up. So at this point... Because all of this other yes, mad, madness it, it, is going yes, on. Yes, there was yeah. a lot of mitigating factors, clearly. At this point, the core of Reactor 4 overheated, which broke some of those control rods, which jammed them in as only partially inserted. Now here is where it gets a little bananas. Within three seconds, three seconds, the power output of the reactor went from about 200 megawatts to over 530 megawatts. Holy it more than doubled shit. in three seconds. And we we saw how much they struggled to get the power back up over the course of that whole hour. So and this how, is crazy and, fast. And just how long to, make this, to do this test mm-hmm. it took to bring that power down. Yes. So now, now all of a sudden it's going now like it's that. Now it's spiked this mm-hmm. quickly. Mm-hmm. So the next... Obvious mm-hmm. thing would be to bring it down, but that's going to take time. Well, so the rest of what happened was not recorded. You know, like I said, all the um, 123 and 4 seconds and 123 and 40 seconds. Mm-hmm. We don't have any more of that timeline. No. The rest of what happened was figured out through mathematical simulations. Okay. Okay. So the sudden spike in power output, this 330 megawatt increase in three seconds, led to a massive and sudden buildup of steam and pressure, which led to a mechanical breakdown of the core. So we're not talking about a meltdown, the uncontrolled chain reaction. We're talking about the physical core itself, like the material. We're talking about the physical reaction. Yes. Yes. The the material itself. Now, because that the physical material was breaking down, it released the core's fuel into the coolant, which made the power output of the reactor shoot up massively. The last recorded reading on the control panel of the reactor, and again, this was in, within seconds, was 33,000 megawatts. Holy it went from 530 shit. to 33,000 megawatts. Within seconds. Uh, Again, they don't have a timeline. Sure. But this all happened very quickly, certainly. Fuck. What what a... I'm not even going to try to figure out the percentage. Increased in my head uh, a lot. And that that 33,000 megawatts was roughly, I think it was like 10 times the full power output. Yes. Uh huh. Even if it was running at 100%. Fuck. So it is theorized that the next thing that happened was 
esteem explosion. So first thing, and those are not steam buildup. No, the plate on the top of the reactor blew off and blew through the roof of the plant, through the roof of the building housing the reactor. Could you imagine fucking seeing this happen? This explosion blasted out the coolant channels, and no more neutron absorbing went. Neutron absorbing water went to the core. So that shit's just, oh my god. The power output, nobody knows how far it got, but it yeah. went beyond that 33,000 yeah. megawatts. Could have got to the fucking power of the sun, for all anybody knows. A couple of seconds after this first explosion, there was a second explosion. Oh my god. This one was a lot stronger than the first. This was the core of the nuclear reactor itself exploding. Oh, fuck. The good news was the nuclear chain reaction stopped. It stopped the whole... Nothing else was feeding into itself. It couldn't create any more power. It was just killed everything. The bad news was everything that happened afterwards. The fallout, right? Having heard the explosion, employees from the plant who were in other buildings went outside to take a look. They saw large burning lumps and sparks shooting out of Unit 4 where Reactor 4 was located. Graphite. Run. Just run. Radioactive graphite from the core that was ejected, as well as parts of the reactor itself, caught on fire as it was exposed to the air. Fucking A. Remarkably, only two people died in the explosion. In the initial explosion. And that's and that's where we're going to stop today, is, is the initial explosion, so yes. Um, that is pretty... That is... Pretty remarkable. Uh, it, it is, and potentially... Given what just happened. Potentially those people were the luckiest in the I was going to say, probably. So, it was um, a contractor and a senior operator at Reactor 4. Um, the contractor was Vladimir Nikolaevich Shashenok and uh, Valery Ilyich Nomichuk. Nomichuk. Okay. <laughs> Something like that. I'll, I'll go with those. And they're both 35. Vlad and Valerie. Two Vlad and Val. Two very common Russian names. That's true. But the worst was yet to come. Mm-hmm. The explosion itself was just the beginning of the worst civilian nuclear disaster in history, which we will cover next week in part three of Chernobyl, Fallout. To wrap up this episode... Mm-hmm. Here's a little sad fact. So remember, the diesel engines that were going to kick in and take over powering to the coolant pumps. Remember I, that? I, that I, whole I do theory? now, but uh, yeah. Well, if they had been able to successfully um, get this whole test to, to do that, um, successfully bridging that one minute gap, it would have happened within three seconds of that scram being initiated. Interesting. If they could have made it. Three more seconds. This potentially couldn't happen. No shit. That's not what happened though. And that. I almost wish I didn't know that fact. I know, right? Because it's it awful. Was literally, uh, three seconds is what I just said. Like. Yeah. Right. And that's how fucking close yeah, this was to not happening. Here's three seconds. Go. End. Yeah. And that's yeah. the difference between a fucking nuclear fallout. Yeah. In this case, and not a nuclear fallout. Yep. Holy fuck. Potentially. I Potentially. mean, there was a yeah, lot of other shit know. going on. So. I, it sounds to me like this was going to happen either way. Um, yeah, it seems like it was too out of control for that the diesel generators to have done much good. But Yeah. And it also makes me think that 
the next Fallout game should have taken place in Chernobyl, <laughs> in Chernobyl. In, instead of instead of West Virginia. Uh, well, but, but anyway, I don't know. It's what it's, the <laughs> fuck. Yeah, and I do know. I, I do. I'm not going to spoil anything. I do know a little bit about the initial reaction to this explosion. Like um, politically, or seeing a documentary about it. I, oh, okay. I'm going to have to try to see if I can find it on YouTube because I watched it a long time ago. Mm. Um, it might have been on HBO. Anyway, what they tried to do because the obviously the Soviet army gets involved. At, well, don't at get this, in it. Sorry, but anyway. What they tried to do to kind of fix mm-hmm. this exploding well, reactor? Well, let's get into all that later. Is, <laughs> is just it's 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 sad and comical at the same time. If that's something that can exist in a parallel, but anyway. Yes, we'll get into that. But God, damn. Yeah. So that was the meltdown. Don't work at a Chernobyl. nuclear power plant, folks. That's the moral of the story. Well, you know, it's interesting. We'll, we'll talk about that more in the last um, the last episode about, like, well, is, is nuclear power worth it from the disasters that have happened? Sure. We'll, we'll talk about that. But. And if you're part of the ever-expanding uh, George W. Bush family, don't ever work at a nuclear... Nuclear. 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 Power plant. Yes, nuclear. <laughs> Which had people still say that nuclear. because because he said it so much. You know, it, it, it's like um, Chipotle. Yeah. Chipotle peppers. It's Chipotle. Chipotle. Yeah. Not Chipotle. Yeah. It's and but it's now not... you just have me thinking like I used to say that too. <laughs> <laughs> it's not Chipotle. It's Chipotle. Chipotle. What are you talking about? Chipotle uh, is one of the best restaurants in America. Oh. Oh, except when they have Ebola outbreaks or whatever. <laughs> Ebola. Oh, that, it's e-, e. coli. E. coli. Ebola, yes. I was going to say, I don't think Chipotle had an Ebola outbreak. No, they didn't. Pretty e. Sure, coli. Pretty sure we would have known about that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. That, very no, that would be That would be, that'd be a great topic to, <laughs> to, to cover. cover. We'll just have to make that one up. <laughs> And then we'll get a phone call the next day from, uh... Yes, from defamation, Chip- cease and desist. Chipotle's, from Chipotle's headquarters. Hey, if we ever get big enough for somebody to threaten to sue us, I'm good with that. Good with that, too. <laughs> Just as long as I get my Casper mattress in the meantime. <laughs> All right. Well, that was it. I'm done. Do you have anything to say to Demetrius? No, he's asleep. He's oh, adorable. little sleepy bunny. Yes. Oh, I wish you guys could see Demetrius. Well, you right can now. you can take a picture I of can, him and, yeah, and oh. put it on. Hopefully, he won't start chirping. He likes to chirp. Oh, he's twitching now. He is twitching. There you go. Now you can see Demetrius. <laughs> yeah. A week earlier from when this actually comes out. <laughs> yes. A, a photo of sleepy Demetrius. Yes. Which will make everybody feel better about a nuclear fallout. <laughs> I, I hope. <laughs> it's our <laughs> but small we have, gesture. But we haven't even gotten to the bad part yet. No, not we haven't gotten to the fallout. Or well, sadly, we haven't gotten to the yeah, the fallout. Sadly, like this is just the beginning. S- yeah, it's the tip of the iceberg. Imagine, as it were. imagine in a tragedy, an explosion is not the worst thing. <laughs> it's everything that happens after. You know? Yeah. Now it caused everything that happens after. Sure, but, yeah. but uh, God. All right. Yes. I'm ready. Yes. Well, this has been another episode of All Bad Things. Rachel is uh, pounding her last bits of doing time from yes. Birdsong Brewing. Um, Birdsong. Oh, that woke up Demetrius. Oh, sorry, Aww. buddy. Yes. 
Dune Time, a good um, Whip Beer by Birdsong and Charlotte. We will hashtag Birdsong, and we've done so many times, and at this point, we're kind of expecting beer. <laughs> so please send us some. But we'll buy it anyway. We'll go to Charlotte and get it either way. <laughs> so, uh, again, this has been another episode of All Bad Things. I'm David. I'm Rachel. We'll see you next week.